The Marlins are 2-0 and oh after players' meetings. The Marlins in August, with a lose, losing skid happening, call a players-only meeting. No fingers were pointing, but they got the reaction they wanted. The Marlins snapped the losing streak. Jorge Soler with a big go-ahead home run. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Lockdown Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Listen to the pod, hit subscribe, leave a review. Everything is appreciated, guys. Even, even poll reviews, constructive criticism, maybe is what they call it. Uh, this, of course, is your team every day. And thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. This could be your first listen because this one's coming out early. The game is starting extremely early. It's a 12.35 Eastern start, 5.35 if you live in the UK, which uh, for those that do live here, myself included, that is beer o'clock officially. There is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Head on over there. Hit subscribe. Leave a review there also. Get in the comments too, the everydayers. There's tons of you guys that comment after every episode. The discourse is great in the YouTube channel. Much appreciated to everyone. The UK GOAT is in the house. It's not a Monday. It is a Wednesday, but the UK GOAT is here. Sean Barrett, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. Recovered from a late night and awfully mm-hmm. glad for the win because mm-hmm. we could have been talking about, will, would the Marlins be 500 after today? Oh, Thankfully, man. they will at least be the one game ahead. <laughs> the worst case, they're one game over 500, mate. It, it felt like, I mean, you, you segues in there perfectly. Uh, but actually, before we do that, uh, we've got to talk about the show sponsors. So let's let's cover that. Make sure we've we've done what what's necessary here. Um and the show is sponsored, this one anyway, is by our good friends over at Bird Dogs. Yes, sir, the boys are back. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB or enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for a free white tech hat with any order. You don't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, more about those guys later on. But, Sean, you were segueing me into uh, the fact that the Marlins, you know, it felt like it was, they needed to win yesterday. They needed to win badly. And I think the players acknowledge that. And they felt the time was right for a players-only meeting. Skip Schumacher out there pre-game, doing his usual pre-game media. You know, he had a smile on his face, calling out, you know, there's been a players-only meeting. I haven't been in there. I don't know what's going on in the clubhouse. Well, he does, but he doesn't. Um, This was the right time, it felt. Like, the Marlins just fundamentally have not played well after the All-Star break. They haven't. And it felt like a good time to have this type of discussion uh, what was your reaction when you saw the news? Because we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to make that connection to last year. Don Mattingly, you know, the boys, it wouldn't surprise me if they come out flat. Whilst the meeting was probably different in content, um, the way it was handled and managed equally was very different, I think, this year. <laughs> so what was your reaction when you heard there was this players meeting? Yeah, I mean, it's positive, isn't it? Because as you said, after the All-Star break, it's been completely flat. They've just been on a complete losing streak, essentially. Yeah, and you say it's a perfect time. I would say maybe he should have done this a little bit earlier, maybe. <laughs> um, but to, maybe. See them, to see them respond, and admittedly, three runs against the Reds, a, a pitcher who isn't exactly great, mm. isn't exactly what you want to see. But it was more 
hitting the ground running, scoring early, and 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 eventually getting the win. And I think it is important. I think it is hopefully a turning point. And we've certainly seen some of the players sort of respond quite positively to the to the to the meeting, to the changes. And now with with Jazz back and, and with everyone infused, then this is this is where the miners start need to start making some runs in the win column because from 14 games over to now just being free, this mm. is this is an issue essentially. This is this is where the miners need to start winning, and hopefully this is this is the catalyst for that. Definitely UK friendly today feels like a win. You know, is there to be had? Johnny Cueto going. Uh, it's fair to say he's overperformed. I would, you know, in expectations anyway. Then you're at home for what will be a packed out series against the Yankees, which will be fun. The Yankees are definitely having their own struggles, so there is a decent chance here that the Fish can go on a decent winning streak, put themselves, you know, back in the wild card hunt. Maybe create some, you know, again a little bit of separation. Who knows? Um, you know, just everyone in and around is kind of struggling. The Padres now are struggling. They had a bit of a surge now. They've kind of gone backwards again. The Diamondbacks are, are, are even worse than the Marlins. The Reds are similar to the Fish. So everyone who's kind of vying for that third spot um, has definitely had a similar struggle. Just go back to the players' meeting from yesterday. Some of the stuff from uh, Jordan McPherson and the Herald reporting that whilst it was a players-only meeting and to air and discuss things, the key difference and what comes comes through in the article anyway is that it wasn't to call out specific players and to get into specific players and, and things that they may or may not be doing in the, in the correct manner. It wasn't that session. This one was more, let's just get the vibes back. Let's get the first half fun. It feels like maybe all of a sudden with this, and this is my takeaway anyway, is they've put themselves in a position. They've then realized the position that they're in and then felt the pressure accordingly. And maybe mentally it's starting to adjust a little bit to like, oh, we're actually in this and, oh, actually we're expected to win games and there's pressure to win. Maybe they were playing fast and loose early, winning games they shouldn't be, maybe. Have a lot of fun doing it. Now all of a sudden they get on a bit of a losing streak. They're losing games they should be winning. They're feeling the pressure. I think that was my overarching take, mate. I don't know what your thoughts are, but maybe it's just the fact that being in the hunt has kind of got to them a touch. And it's like, hey, let's take a step back. Let's get back to just playing Marlins baseball. Fun. Let's have fun. And the wins will come. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case of we've heard a few people talking, and, and Mish specifically, talking about it's a night for, well, let's just take today. It's the 9th of August, and the Marlins have been buyers, and they're three games over 500. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you gave me that in spring, I would have taken it. But because they were so far ahead, because they were those 12 games over 500, they were absolutely flying. It is a case of that struggle now has, has deflated the, the fans' balloon and, and almost certainly the clubhouse as well. So this mm. cool to arms, this realisation of like we've got to put the pedal to the metal right now, especially mm. with these next couple of series, the Yankees, Houston, the Dodgers. Like these are these are premier uh, matchups and uh, we will see this weekend what that does to the capacity because I mm. expect some big big crowds and a lot of noise. Maybe not specifically for the Marlins at times. No, no, noise is noise when you're playing, and it gets louder. You know that was uh, Stephen Strom yesterday saying we're talking about the atmosphere in Lone Depot when it's packed out. Like it gets loud, and we're going to expect that. And equally, this is it, right? Where 
they they had a similar turnout for the Miggy Cabrera, you know, weekend and Venezuelan heritage heritage night and all this kind of stuff. And it fell flat. Again, that kind of like is synonymous with the the fish where all of a sudden they get a big turnout, pressure's on to deliver, like actually deliver, falls flat. So it's now it's like just go out there and play loose. Play as you were. And you know, the rest will follow. The rest will follow. What I would say, I won't talk about Solaire after, but just to kind of what I've seen in the last day or two, more so than I had seen most of the year, is an emerging or a hidden leader in the clubhouse. That's how I'm going to describe him. And Joey Wendell, again, spoke about it with Stephen Strom yesterday, talked about Wendell, that he's getting a decent big up, I would say, from Skip Schumacher recently. Like, I think his presence in the clubhouse is maybe underrated, is unknown maybe to fans. That's what I said yesterday. It's like, when you watch Wendell on the field as a fan, you won't, it's not easy to make the connection to the leader maybe that he is in the clubhouse. But I think that Wendell is greatly liked in the clubhouse, plays a massive role. And, you know, he's been there and done it. He's been in, in the postseason like many of the guys have. And so, you know, I do think it's interesting the way like Marlon's Twitter is like piling in on Wendell. Hey, let's get him out of there because Xavier Edwards is lighting it up. But, Wendell defensively has been good. Offensively, it has been cold, hot, cold. And the expectation would be that in the next five weeks, six weeks, Wendell will find another hot streak. And I think that will be hugely important to this Marlins team. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you could look at a game quite coldly, can't you, when you're watching it and seeing mm. you know, him struggling with the bat and saying, get this guy out of the lineup. We've heard plenty of people talking about that. But yeah, the, the clubhouse uh, vibe matters. And, and you're right in the sense of Joe Wendell just doesn't – you don't read that off the bat from him. He's no. Like, he's kind of like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. <laughs> a bit boring maybe. Yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, influence comes from all different areas, doesn't it? He could just mm. be simply a guy that's supportive, a guy that is going to put his arm on one of the young guy's shoulders and, and give him a just a little pep talk and – and that's that's all that maybe is needed from him. So who knows if if, the, if we're getting that from the clubhouse, them saying that he is a guy that is valuable there. Then thankfully he's doing something valuable because his bat isn't exactly doing that. Defensively he's fine. Yeah. Um, but you're right. The Marlins, if they are going to be successful over the next couple of weeks and months, Wendell does need to pick it up a little bit with the bat for to carry on with those other positives. Yeah, I, I think he will. I think that's kind of experience with Wendell. Like, he does go hot and cold, and it's, you know, he has these streaks, these months where he just pieces it together. And, you know, let's hope that that, that clicks in soon. Um, also want to talk about uh, Soler and the lineup adjustment. A lot of people, again, were calling for something to happen in this space. Um, Soler in the two-hole, um, he definitely has been slumping, and they make the change, and they get the immediate return on that. So we're going to talk about that. Plus as well, the leverage pen. We got to look at the leverage pen for maybe the first time properly since the deadline. And, uh, you know, the results were good. We also want to talk about Jake Berger, uh, both defensively and offensively. So uh, a few things to get into, but before we do that, uh, again, this episode is brought to you uh, by our good friends over at Bird Dogs. And the graphics are there, guys. So don't miss out as well on this one. Uh, but for, you know, listen, Bird Dogs, you've been hearing about them before and they make you look good it's the first thing. First thing you got to call out, they make you look good. And they've got these stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you that sculpted look. Sounds absolutely sensational. Um, these bird dog shorts, they do the exact same thing as the Lululemons. Is that how you pronounce that? 
Lululemon, I think it is, but fit way better. Fit way better. <laughs> they fit better than regular shorts and are ma- that are made of that stiff, restricting cotton. Um, and bird dogs, they fix that issue, issue by inventing the cloud knit fabric that just looks like khaki, but stretches. So you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Yes, sir. Sounds amazing. The graphics are already helping you, but if you are listening, uh, here's what you need to do. Get yourself over to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB and enter the promo code LockedOnMLB for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB or promo code LockedOnMLB for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, you are here with myself, Peter Pratt, and also the UK coach, Sean Barrett, on Wednesday's episode, pre-game. This one is coming pre-game before the UK-friendly game three against the Cincinnati Reds. There is the rubber match. Still uncertain of the, the historical uh, origin of rubber match. I did find one description of it I don't think was the correct one. So for anyone listening, go and head into the YouTube comments and leave the actual reasoning or rationale for that terminology of rubber match because i don't know maybe sean sean probably knows it he's well read but um sean Jorge Soler, he was moved from the two hole for a long long time this year he's been in the two hole and arias leading off the one-two punch it was working really effective at one point for offensively it was pretty much those two like no one else was really contributing but they're winning games um the Marlins have added to the the lineup it's been you know average at best i would say a few games they've they've produced but the, the double plays were definitely an issue with Soler. Um, he was also slumping a touch. And so the Marlins make a move to, to put Soler in the leadoff spot, which he's done before. We have to call out. And the immediate return was positive on base four times, including the big go-ahead two, run, two, home, two home run, the two-run home run blast yesterday, mate. So, again, players meeting and a change in Soler's role the Marlins just seem to be trying everything at this point, it feels to me. But what did you make of Soler in that spot? And do you think that's going to become his spot moving forward at this point? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it could just be as simple as matchups. They wanted a righty-lefty, righty-lefty in the lineup. Um, Bell is a switch hitter, but presumably um, is, is better from the right side. Um, and, and Soler, I mean, how, how interesting is that is that the Marlins' best power hitter is the first guy you're going to have to face. That pressure yeah. is almost immediate, um, which which is cool. I mean, Navarez, obviously, with his hit tool and, and on-base ability, is the more logical um, guy to be in the leadoff spot. But if you want to do it, splitting up the matchups, you know, that that's less of a, a powerful thing now that you don't have those uh, loogy pitchers who come in and just face the one lefty in the late innings. But... As a pitcher, having to alternate from one to the other is always going to be a bit of a struggle. So mm-hmm. maybe that's just something that they let's try it. It is a case of at the moment the Marlins should be willing to try anything to stop this skid, and it worked yesterday. I'd be interested to see if we see the same again today, uh, yeah. and if they carry on with it. But yeah, you're right. The the, the lineup is deeper now. Yeah, it is. So you have you have more opportunities. Like it was a case previously where if Soler's not in the middle order of the batting lineup, you, you're putting guys in the wrong place. Now it's deeper. You've got the availability of bats that can do multiple roles, and and you can play around with it and and you know try try anything really to get a win streak going because that's where the miners are right now. Yeah, I mean it's not totally uncommon 
when I, you know, when you think of Soler in the leadoff spot, I know he did it for the Bravos when, you know, they obviously went on that World Series run. I'm pretty sure he was leading off, um, driven by the fact that I think Ronald Acuna obviously was uh, on the IL at that point. Um, I think Ronnie clearly has a ton of speed in his game, so I don't think it's fair to kind of, you know, he's obviously got a ton of power too. Um, but I, for me, the Soler comp leading off is more like Carl Schwarber, to be honest with you. Like that to me is like an, a, a comp in many ways. I think overall, like I think Soler's a better overall hitter. Uh, the approach is definitely better anyway, I would say, than Schwarber. But, you know, it's not totally uncommon. And we saw immediate results uh, and impact there. I think something just kind of had to change there a touch just to freshen it up and just see what happens. You know, I am always intrigued. I remain intrigued about this Jazz Chisholm Jr. situation hitting in the cleanup spot um, when, you know, Soler's profile is clearly more suited to a cleanup hitter than Jazz Chisholm Jr. and Jazz Chisholm Jr.'s profile more suited to leading off. So I do wonder if, you know, Jazz ends up back at the top of the order. But it has been surprising for me that, you know, he's back in the lineup, Jazz I'm talking about, and he's been kept... I think he's only hit cleanup since he's been back, which has been a touch surprising. Um, I don't really know the rationale for that. I haven't heard anyone really ask either around that. I mean, what could the rationale be there for hitting Jazz in that cleanup spot, other than the fact that you know he clearly does have um, home run power? But it feels a bit of a wonky fit, considering all the other dudes that the Marlins have now amassed, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, again, it could just be splitting up the lefties and the righties, but you're right, Jazz, Jazz does have the power to be a clean-up hitter, um, especially for a, a Marlins lineup that is struggling for runs right now. Um, yes, a guy with speed, you'd think you'd put him first, put Soler down in the clean-up spot. It makes all the sense in the world to me anyway. Mm. Um, but if it is just a case of like putting a lineup to try and change things about, give guys a, a fresh look. Like, if you put a guy in, in the second hole for the whole of the season and he struggles, just just by simply moving him, that might trigger something that makes a difference. Yeah. And we've certainly seen that with Soler in, in Cincinnati. The whole of the second half for him so far has been uh, it's been bad. So hopefully this is a recognition of his power stroke. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the Marlins desperately need that. Like, if you look back to the, the first half when they were winning games, they shouldn't be. It's fundamentally, Arias just hitting 400 and Soler hitting home runs in massive spots. That was the formula. And the pen doing well. Speaking about the pen, um, let's talk about the pen as well. Um, well, very shortly, let's let's talk about our good friends over at Sleeper first. Our second ad. Second ad? Then we'll talk about the leverage pen because we got to see it in action yesterday in a close game, uh, which was encouraging. But, um, guys... Uh, this episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Sleeper, and if you want the chance to win more money with less picks, head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Uh, so if you're thinking that Hoy Soler, for example, could hit a home run tonight, uh, then you know I, I, I think there's a good chance that he will. Um, but do, if, if you do, then get over to Sleeper, and you can swing for the fences on up to 100-time payouts. Um, all you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on their stack categories, like home runs, Soler, Yeza, strikeouts, Cueto, mm, not certain, hits and more. Get the picks right and you could win big time. All you have to do is use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. 
Okay, final part of this episode, it's the UK Go Sean Barrett, along with myself, Peter Pratt. We are talking leverage pens now, and we got, we had a close game. We had the Marlins had a lead going into the latter innings after a real nice start from Braxton Garrett. We haven't spoken about Braxy too much, but Nardi, Scott, Robertson. We got to see what I think is now the seven, eight, nine. I know you can kind of flex them around, et cetera, et cetera, but I think we got to see where, when close games are happening now in this second half, this is going to be the guys they turn to. And, uh, you know, it's fair to say uh, Andrew Nardi being back is a big boost because he was fantastic in that first half. Equally, to get Robertson back out there in a save situation, he hasn't pitched for pretty much a week after a, a couple of real rough outings, to get him out there, clean inning, a save, one-run game. Like, the meeting's happened. The vibes are good. Soler's swapped out. He, immediate impact. And the bullpen starts to perform. These are all the recipes for the Marlins to go on another winning streak, mate. And the pen, I think, is just so critical to this, right? Yeah, and it all starts, as you said, with Garrett. Those six strong innings. Yeah. If you look at his last couple of appearances, six innings, five innings, six innings, that's what you want from him. The three previous from that were all five or sub-five. Yeah. Like, that's that's where you're really struggling with the, the bullpen. And, and yeah, the, the I think Nardi Scott Robertson is, is probably the way you go going forward, for now anyway. I have a bit of a concern having two lefties in that, that spot, but that's what the Marlins have constructed. Um, the next writer you're looking at probably the, the new guy aren't you Lopez so the Marlins the Marlins yeah the to, for them to have this success that leverage pen yes does need to step up but the rotation need to put them in positions to allow them to step up um it'll be interesting to see what happens today with with Scott having pitched two days running mm-hmm. you know, it, so all of a sudden if you've got to go seven eight nine then who is that third guy? Because he almost certainly won't be pitching today. Yeah, I guess maybe you got you got Puck in the mix there. I, I guess would be the obvious one, but like clearly Puck's had some struggles too. Like it'd be huge if they can get Puck just write it out in whatever way that is. Because again, it was a big massive part of the success early on in the year. Like Puck was just he was just electric in that ninth, and you know I don't know what's happened. I don't know. It's maybe it's mental. I don't know, but. The fall away, the drop-off from Puck has been so incredible uh, and unexpected, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think that looks like the main three. But, you know, this was the thing earlier in the year. We were, we were talking to it going, right, we've got Barnes, Floro, Scott, Puck, like these guys that we were saying, they've all had closing experience. So, you know, it isn't just about, oh, it's a save. You have to roll Puck out there. Now they still can mix and match it, I guess. So we'll wait to see. I want to talk about before we, you know, we've got a couple of minutes left. We're four minutes until the uh, first pitch here, actually. So we've got yeah, pretty much four minutes. I want to talk about Jake Berger as well, briefly, mate, because um, we haven't spoken a lot about him yet. N- good acquisition, big acquisition. Early impressions on Berger that you've seen because uh, he's out there pretty much every day at third base. Um, he's been hitting, you know, not in the top four. He's been, you know, five, six, seven seems to be his, um, you know, his his hitting slot, let's say. First career Marlins home run has been effectively delivered. So the, the first Burger bomb. So overall impressions of, uh, of Jake Berger in his first, you know, week and a half or so of uh, Marlins action. Yeah, it's been interesting because obviously we, well, I haven't seen much of him in it, in his no. career simply because I only watch Marlins games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the power stroke is there. That's good to see. Not just the home run, but the double as well. You know, that 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 mm. is encouraging. You know, you don't want a guy that's coming in with all this power and then just seeing him 
uncompetitive at bat strikeouts. Um, but the thing that's come to me immediately is the defense. Like we talked last time about Arias and how maybe his his defense on the field looks better when you're viewing it than maybe the advanced stats will allow it. And I think that's what I've seen from Berger so far. The advanced stats aren't ugly, but they're not fantastic. They're middle of the road. They're average, slightly below average. Mm. But he's not. You know, the, what I've seen from him has been good. You know, he feels the position well. The, the the arms good enough. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, that's important because Berger is legitimately going to be a key part of this team for the the for the next couple of years. How long do we keep this win, winning window open? Is he part of the the next window? You know, this is this is an important key piece to the Marlins lineup, and to see him start off well. I mean, it's not you know lit it up or anything, but he's played yep. okay. Yeah. Um, and I think once he's got himself settled, we'll really see him start to warm up. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. That's been my takeaway with with Jake Berger is you could sense that he was trying a touch too hard early on, like it was, you know, foot was down on the pedal, just overdoing it a touch, just needs to relax into the new environment, the new ball club. And the fact that they're in this this playoff hunt as well, clearly this wildcard hunt, um, I think that, you know, things will come good. My overall impressions align with yours, mate. Defensively, things look fine, uh, which was probably the biggest question mark. The other biggest question mark as well was like, you know, you look at his profile, ton of swing and miss, ton of strikeout, no balls in play, just bombs and strikeouts and it's kind of it. I haven't quite seen that in, in the first week and a half with Jake Berger. I've seen more control. I've seen more balls in play. Strikeouts don't appear to be skyrocketing. The home run has been there. A few extra base hits as well. So overall, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed. Thus far, to your point, this guy's going to be around the next five seasons if uh, if you, you know, at least if the Marlins want to retain all of those controllable years. So he's going to be a big player. I think, to your point, being able to play third base is probably the most critical part of this because the lack of third base in the organization, I would say, Jacob Barrels being the most obvious one, where <laughs> I'm not sure they ever fancied him at third base, but, you know, this absolutely ends Jacob Berry's um, situation with the Marlins ever playing third base. There's no need for him now. Um, Jake Berger's in the house, and we'll see what Jacob Barrels can do in the future. Yeah, to be fair, it was actually trending and playing pretty well. Uh, has been for a while, but yeah, like you, Sean, overall impressions, early impressions anyway, Jake Berger, really positive, and uh, I think the Marlins have got a good one there um, that we'll continue to see improve, hopefully the rest of, of the way here this year and into the postseason. Um, guys, it's going to wrap us up. It's exactly 5.35 p.m. UK time, local time, 12.35 Eastern for those guys that are about to tune into the game now. Um, that's the UK goat, Sean Barrett, and me, Peter Pratt, signing out uh, on Lockdown Islands on Wednesday. Of course, I'll be back tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, it's an it's an off day as well, right? So we've got an off day sprinkled in there. Um, so we can look back at this series, equally look ahead to the Yankees series. And I believe, I believe we have Loud Marlins fan on the show tomorrow. So we'll look forward to that. I'll see you then.